I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, with a multiple discipline creative who, as an actor, worked on iconic television shows like Ally McBeal, Nip Tuck, and Arrested Development. She, as you will hear, knows her art, so much so that she recently launched a business designed to bring incredible art to the general public. This is Portia de Rossi. <laughs> I find myself telling you often, I know what you're thinking. I say that a lot. I think it's a bad habit. I, I, I know it's not true. It really is just a bad habit of mine. And that said, I think it is relatively safe to say that many might think this performer or that public figure is great at what they became famous for. What could they possibly know about this new subject matter? That being that if someone became famous for being an actor, what do they know about art? At the same time, that same discipline that allowed Portia de Rossi to become the accomplished actor that she is makes it possible for her to be equally successful in a new endeavor of which she is equally passionate. That would be art. A few weeks ago, you heard my conversation with musician, philanthropist, and photographer Julian Lennon. Well, Portia and her company, General Public, is the organization that brought his work to the public through their relationship with Restoration Hardware. It's funny. I call it Restoration Hardware because that is how I've always known it. But they changed their name in 2017, actually, to RH. And you will hear Portia correct me at least once and make sure I know that there was a name change. So I get it. Bad habits are hard to change. General public is democratizing art. And that's a good thing. This platform creates an amazing opportunity for designers to help their clients by providing another source for great work at a time when specifying anything design related comes with capricious delivery dates, and a high probability for reselecting. It's about finding something that you love, that clients will love into the future. Portia has crafted a place for that and a partnership with unbelievable design talent and an outlet like RH. Enjoy my conversation with actor, philanthropist, art aficionado, and entrepreneur with a really strong idea. This is Portia de Rossi. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger, a progressive brand that was built on a promise to provide designers, architects, and homeowners with the right materials to do their best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But it's more than that. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program that makes the specifying process simple and easy with the support you need. They have been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. In 2020, I launched a partnership series with Walker Zanger called The Showroom. These intimate interview series conversations showcase some of the best creatives in the business. We just ended season one, which had some amazing names. And if you want to check them out, please go back through the podcast catalog and find any episode entitled The Showroom so you can hear these amazing conversations. And if you haven't stopped by a Walker Zanger showroom lately, you're missing out and you need to go check them out. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can possibly imagine or create. So check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. You know, it's interesting because I had a chance and I think you know this, I had a chance to talk to Julian prior to our conversation. Yeah. And I love this image. And even more than that, I love the stories behind his work. Yeah. You know, and it seems like that's the thing today with, with design, with interiors, with architecture, with everything after the last 18 months that we've had, that everyone wants to have this story behind everything that they surround themselves with. Which which kind of found, which found you in the perfect place 
doing something really cool. And I, and I kind of wanted to just jump into this yeah. general pub, general public, which, which by the way, awesome name and my favorite, my favorite eighties band, by the way, yeah. but <laughs> tell me, tell me about general public. Tell me about the work that you're doing and the artists that you're doing it with. Sure. Well, you know, <clears throat> just actually circling back to what you just said, I think people now recognize the true importance of being surrounded by beauty and being surrounded by whether it's furniture or art design that actually reflects your personality and what you care about. And I think, you know, with that kind of focus on, um, on, on how to elevate your, your life and, and your mood through beautiful things in your home, I think it is a perfect time to have a company like mine because we really are trying to, I mean, in a simple way, kind of bridge this, I'd say a gap, but it's like a vast void between, you know, the fine art world um, and the art markets and then, and then art that is available to folks that don't necessarily want to invest in art or learn the markets. So, you know, we are, we are asking artists of all different kinds, um, emerging artists, mid-career artists who are represented, artists who aren't, people that have MFAs, BFAs, like these are, these are really talented, accomplished artists, um, extremely educated. We're asking them to join our program. And the way we do it is we, we, we get their painting, we scan the painting, we give the painting back to them. So they're free to sell the painting or show it um, as they would normally do. But um, we make pretty much identical reproductions of the work. So other people can also experience the work and enjoy it rather than just the one person that bought the original. And uh, the artist then gets a royalty for every print that's sold. So it's kind of like a quarterly mailbox money um, that we're giving our artists. It's just another revenue stream for, for painters. Um, it's residuals. Sorry. It's, re it's, it's residuals. It's residuals. It's exactly right. That's, yeah. that's literally, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to do this in the first place because for me, you know, technology has gotten to a point where, you know, people can self-publish, you know, every single art form has been elevated by technology. And uh, the only, the only kind of art form that wasn't in my mind was painting. It's still kind of run by this scarcity model when, you know, we can 3D print the table that I'm sitting at. So why can't we repro reproduce a painting with all of its nuances, all of its brushwork, all of the subtleties of the original and, and have more than just one person enjoy it. But yeah, it's, it's literally uh, residuals. It's uh, the idea that, you know, the artist has trained for years of their lives. They've put hours and hours into making this one painting. Why get one sale from that one painting? Why not connect with more people? And, uh, and really, you know, really kind of have more people enjoy the work, have, have as an artist more, um, just more connection with, 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 you know, the way that you see the world and, um, and how you can affect other people in their homes. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's basically it's the democratization of of the art. And here's here's one thing that I think is is really so cool about this. You know, and, and I keep going back to story and narrative. Um, I, I sat on a couple of panels last week at Design Chicago, and every time I get together with designers, architects, showroom managers, manufacturers, product designers, it's really, really interesting because what's happening now is it goes back to this story and the narrative and that people want to have a story in the things that, that they surround themselves with, right? Like we were just talking about. And what's really cool about this is you talk about a, a, an image and you look at Julian's work, for example, and you get his, his, his Aboriginal work and it, it was still from his eye. It was still ex exactly what he saw 
And you can go back and read, you know, with the White Feather Foundation, what he was thinking and about and what what his ideas were when he's taking this picture. And then, all, you know, they can go to Restoration Hardware and you can get this piece. You still have the story. Yeah. And I think that that's what's so yes, important. Yes, I think it is important. And the, the, the thing that I'll add to that, too, is that it is Julian's perspective but you don't necessarily see Julian in the work, which is what I love about how he approaches photography, especially photographing people. Uh, he somehow becomes invisible. I think that's really challenging. I mean, even the best portrait photographers, you can still kind of look at them and go, oh, that's a so-and-so, you know, you kind of know who shot the picture, but with Julian, he has a very, um, small presence behind the lens. And really it's all about the subject. It's all about, it's all about the emotion and that moment that he captures with those people that he photographs. <clears throat> and I think it's especially important with indigenous people because, you know, moments uh, are, are of, of capturing these indigenous cultures that are disappearing um, I think it's very important to make sure you get the essence of who they are, not the not who they are when they know they're being photographed. And I think that's kind of something that Julian can do that other photographers can't. Yeah. So, you know, backing up a second, what was the what was the origin behind general public? Why and why now? No, I hate the art world. That's why <laughs> I just hate it, Josh. I hate it. I mean, here's the thing. It was, it was, it's kind of a paradox. I love art. I am jealous of anyone who can manipulate a paintbrush and make something beautiful. I just don't have the talent. I wish I did. Uh, maybe one day I'll, you know, take painting classes or something. Um, but I, I, I love artists. I love that they're compelled to create beauty. And, and I love that they dedicate their lives to it. But, you know, you, you, you think, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to start a great art collection. So Ellen and I started collecting, gosh, it's almost 20 years ago now. Um, and, you know, initially it was, you know, it was, it was very educational. We learned a lot. It was fun. And then it just got, oh, yo, yo, it just got to be like, Oh, just all the ugly stuff, like just, just pure, like commerce and greed and, you know, status. And we started collecting works that we thought we should have in our collection rather than what we really want to live with and what we want to look at every day. And we have those conversations all the time when we're offered a work, we think, is that beautiful? Does it elevate us? Does it inspire us? Or do we think we just should have it because everybody, every, every good collector has one in the collection, you know, it's a very interesting thing when you're looking at a massive Ellsworth Kelly on the wall and you're like, I, I'm assuming that I like it because I own it, but what does it actually say to me? How does it really elevate my space? So um, in other words, I am a little bit of a purist um, and I just felt that the art world was so exclusionary, restrictive. It made me feel bad about myself because A, I don't know every single artist that ever lived. And I, and I, you know, I have studied art, but I'm not saying that I'm an expert. I feel like every time I walk into a gallery, I'm scared to ask a question because I'm going to make a fool of myself. So I wanted to kind of, you know, bring the artists to other people, not just people that can afford or have the gall to walk into Gagosian, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing being a, being a collector and really getting into that world and, you know, having pieces that you're not offered because either the artist or the artist representative don't really think your collection is good enough for that particularly particular artist. So they want it to go to somebody else. And it just is awful. Well, okay. So, th so that being said, which I, I totally get it. And your perspective 
is is genuine. And I, I get that. I'm curious too, how do you approach, you know, you flip that equation a little bit, right? So what makes what makes the right artist for general public? How do you curate, how do you curate those artists? How do you select those artists? How do you decide uh, with whom you want to surround yourself? Yeah. So um, first of all, we have an open submission platform on our website. That's so great. I Well, it is great, you know, because it really does, um, you know, it, it, it offers a way for people to, you know, submit their work. And also for us, it, it, it tells us that they're in, you know, they get it. They, they're on board and they like what we're doing. So I can't tell you the quality of submissions, especially lately, and especially um, from Europe and Asia and Australia. Like it's, it's, it's really incredible. The pool of people um, that have actually submitted to, to us, Europe in particular, I mean, I'm looking at these images thinking, uh, you got to be kidding me. This woman is is brilliant and she's had multiple solo shows and she's, you know, very esteemed and renowned in Germany or wherever it is. Um, so, so, OK, so how, how do we choose them? Well, first, um, not only <laughs> I have to like it. Um, because, you know, I can, I can just like something without it necessarily being good, right? I think we all can. But I need to make sure that the artist has a body of work behind them, that they have a really substantial practice, that they know what they're doing, that they have had some education if they're self-taught. You know, I have to see kind of the evolution of their work, how they approach their work. So it's, it's, it's definitely, I need to see kind of background, um, I also need to know that they have a unique perspective, that they have something to say. Um, I just, I really respond to artists that are really kind of pushing their message through their work, whatever that is. Um, and I think, you know, having a unique point of view and being able to express it through any art form is really what makes a great artist. So there's that. And then also, you know, we have, um, we have a partnership with RH, not restoration hardware, by the, by the way, they'll kill you if they hear you say that RH. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And, you know, they've been really great. It's been a great partnership. And we also curate um, with their clientele, their customer in mind um, from time to time. And, uh, and then we also, you know, have e-commerce now. So we're kind of like really now building our brand. Um, and, you know, ultimately we want to be a great resource for interior designers and folks who want to have great art, but just don't necessarily want to pay $40,000 for it or 80,000 or learn the art market or go to a gallery. Um, it's a way for people to, to really look at, at work that has been vetted by, you know, several folks on our end. And, and we've worked with the artists to create these uh, reproductions. So, you know, this really is from the beginning to end um, a collaborative process with the artist. And so folks know that what they're getting is what the artist wants um, to, to show. I think, uh, it's a, I think it's a really unique um, approach as well too, because you mentioned designers. And I know from, from speaking with as many designers as I have, and it, it's so funny, the way that, um, so the way that you feel about being an artist is exactly the same way I feel about interior design and set decorators. Like if I had a modicum of talent, if I could, if I could do any of that, I would totally do it, but I don't. So I talk about it. Um, But I think that, you know, what, after talking to so many designers, specifically as it relates to art, you know, with the set decorators, it's really interesting too, because anything that is on TV or 
in a movie, you know, the intellectual property rights that you have to address just to get clearances for that sort of thing. It makes it very, very challenging. But on the design, on the design side, the fine art, you know, clients will come with a, with an art portfolio and ask a designer to design around it. And, and that's great. A lot of them have a lot of fun with that and they can do a high-low mix and they can mix things with other products and really make something fantastic. Yeah. On the other side though, when you ask a designer to find art for a client, they kind of freeze up, not all, but, but many do, you know, if there isn't an art consultant and if there is an art consultant involved, it can, it can totally damage the manner in which the designer wants to design. Yes. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough environment for, for interior designers. I think this is kind of a cool approach. Well, you know, it, it is, it is a, a, a tough situation because you know, not, not every client has a great art collection and not every client has enough um, of a collection to fill, you know, every, every space, right. Um, yeah. Every room. Um, and there does need to be, you know, a way for designers to have access to good art, to good artists without having to ask their client to pay, you know, $20,000 for, for, you know, a small painting in the powder room, you know, and, and yeah, look, I, my best friends are interior designers. My best friends own, you know, uh, furniture stores. Um, and uh, it's kind of, you know, Ellen and my whole life really is, uh, you know, just, just, you know, understanding the, the, the challenges they face. Um, and, um, and really like joining in with their true calling and true passion to make beautiful, beautiful spaces for people. Um, and by the way, you know, art really is an issue for them because first of all, there's more square footage on the walls than there is on the floor. So there's that. Um, also, you know what it's like if you, you can design a room all day long, you put one piece of art on the wall and everything changes. Every single, every, I mean, it's, it's so important. Um, and it also really, truly, even more than furniture sometimes really does reflect the person who owns the space. So it's important for designers to have a variety of, of, of pictures to choose from. It's important for them to know that, that they've been fully you know, vetted um, and that they're presenting something good to their client. But you know, a lot of times all that's left for people with taste, if they don't wanna go through the gallery system, is you know a black and white photograph here and there, or black squiggle on a white piece of paper that's thrown into a frame, and it's called art, you know. And honestly, it's ridiculous when you consider how much talent there is out there, how many amazing artists that don't get representation for whatever reason, you know. Um, let's give them a platform and give them a channel through which to connect with other people and sell their work and make a living. Is there also an element, you know, I was, I was looking on the website and you have exhibitions listed and I'm curious, are the exhibitions uh, what the artists are doing or are they part of general public and, and how you are and part of the business model? So they, you know, the beauty of it is they use us and, you know, if they, they, they basically, you know, offer us works. If we like them, we print them. And they, um, you know, they really are free to, to have their own solo shows, group shows with those particular works. They can sell them. They can, um, you know, they, they would do whatever they normally do with their work. And, and we just have, you know, we have a contract with them for that particular piece. And uh, it's a very liberal contract because I don't want to stop my artists from making money anywhere they possibly can. Um, I want I want their pictures to reach as many people as they possibly can. Um, I do not believe in the scarcity model. I do not believe that you know we're great because we have Julian Lennon and nobody else has Julian Lennon. 
no, I want Julian, I want Julian to, to, to catch fire. I want everybody to have his work and I want him to, to feel like, you know, he's connecting with a ton, with tons of people who appreciate him. So, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's a really great partnership and we're just, we're nothing without our artists. So, you know, we kind of do what, what they want us to do. We, we make the piece that they made. We reproduce it exactly the way that they would want it to be shown. Well, and I ask, I ask about that specifically because, you know, through your partner with rest, with RH. RH. Old habits. <laughs> you learned nothing today, Josh. Oh, look, rebranding is great, but old habits die hard. I know. Um, it. So with your partnership with, with RH, you know, you've got, you've got showrooms and you've got floor space a, across the country, which is really kind of a cool asset to have in a partnership. And I'm trying to sort of think this through where if you have a, if you have a creative from Italy or you have one from Des Moines, right? Yeah. You, you can still give that experience, that in-person experience, which I think is one of the things, you know, between art and in-person is one of those things that the connection has been, has been missing. And once you lose something and you realize that you've lost it, it seems to be like the only thing that you want back. And so, you know, as, as people are back in our Basel and as people are back in freeze in LA and as people are starting to go back to the design events, design Chicago and Maison in, in, uh, in France. And um, it just seems like one of those things that, that you can employ to, to make that personal connection with the artist again. And I would imagine that that's a huge asset to have. Yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah, you touched on a few things there. First of all, um, I think now, you know, emerging out of this kind of dark period that we've all been in, um, we realize that, you know, art doesn't live in a white cube. It doesn't, it, it's not best seen um, as an object in, in a gallery space. It, it is best seen when people are relating to it and reacting to it. And when, when furniture and objects are reacting with it. And I think, you know, that's what's important about the piece itself is to know that, you know, art really comes to life when it's surrounded by other objects. And when it's, it's, you know, viewed by people and enjoyed by people, then it has a life. And the artists themselves, you know, I think, I think it was a unique, a uniquely creative time for a lot of people because, you know, they were free from distraction. And a lot of artists that we work with were so prolific over the, the shutdown period. Um, and they really kind of developed their practice. And, and I saw a lot of, um, I mean, I, I, I could see how their work was changing over time um, uh, just because of the situation that they found themselves in. And it just dumb little things like, you know, we have a great, great artist, um, Karen Toledano from New York, and she lives in the city. And, you know, just literally being cooped up and not being ha not having access to the subject matter that, that usually stimulates her and not having access to supplies and, you know, them having to become more creative in how to express themselves. So, you know, it, it, it really has, it's been challenging, but it's also on this end of it, it has been kind of lovely for them to be able to come to general public, come into the factory. We have a big factory back here. It's 20,000 square feet um, of printers and, Basically, I tell my artists, it's like a paintbrush or a pencil, like just use a printer or use a scanner as you would, you know, any other tool you use to make your work. And they do. And they come in here and they play with CNC machines and, and all of our, you know, big, heavy factory equipment, and they love it. And then, you know, from there, they go into the, the digital um, department and, and manipulate their images digitally. And they go, oh, 
God, that really does look better if it had a little bit more magenta or geez, you know, I was trying to hit exactly that physically, but I couldn't do it, but that's what I want to say. And I'll do it digitally. And it's very interesting. So yes, to be able to interact with them, to have them here, to learn about their process, to really learn about the why, the story behind it has been really important to us. And and it's just something that you don't take for granted now. Right. No, to- totally true. Here's the other thing too that I that I, I I really find so cool and interesting. So as a creator yourself, right? As a performer yourself, you you have a perspective. You've experienced rejection. You've you've had success. You you know what it's like to be in the creative environment trying to do your work. And sometimes, you know, in the in the absence of somebody there giving you that feedback that you need to keep moving your 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 process forward. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feed your creative spirit. So you have that and you understand that, which I think is really cool. So when somebody submits, you know, it's it's interesting because in the art world too, you know, you'll have artists. And the same goes for designers, you know, who who try to um, as an editor, you know, someone would submit work to me, even if it wasn't right for us, I would always get back to them and say, Hey, yeah. listen, you know, I love your work. I think it's, yeah. here's what I love about it. I'll always find three or four things that I absolutely love. Yeah. It's, it's just not right for us right here, right now, yeah. or at this time, but too often now, especially in the, in the fine art world, you art world in general, creative in general, you know, you'll submit yourself a piece of yourself and you'll get absolutely nothing back. Just crickets, complete silence. And it, it's awful. It's a terrible feeling. As a creative, yeah. as a creative, you, you kind of get this. And so I'm curious, in, this, in the submission process, how involved are you in the, in the final submission? Um, what, what is that interaction like? Yeah, you know, boy, you make a really good point. Um, the, um, yeah, gosh, it's just so important for all of us to connect with one another because really you make art because you want to express your point of view, your experience of, of living in this world. You know, you want to say, does anybody out there feel this way? You know, it, it does, do you understand what it's like? Or, or, you know, it's just, you know, like conceptual artists like Mike Kelly, you know, when he, you know, put a stuffed animal on a floor and said, how does this make you feel? I know how it makes me feel. And it, you know, his work just brings me to my knees and yet other people laugh at it, you know, but I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't even bear to think about his work. It just affects me so much. But anyway, um, it is important. Interaction is super important. And um, I will answer your question. I promise you um, about the process and how involved I am in it. But I just have to say how surprised, how truly shocked I was when RH, bless them, they're sometimes a little demanding. Love them, love them. But they say to me, Porsche, you know, I, we, we really love this work by Sally White, but can we have four more of them? And I'd say, no, no, she did a series. This is it. This is the size. This is what, how she wants it. This is it. I'll just go ask her. And of course, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do it. So then I call her up and I say, Sally, I'm really sorry, but um, RH kind of likes symmetry and they like pairs. And they like, if it goes on that side of the door, it has to go on this side of the door, right? So I could not believe every single time I ask for more work, every single artist is like, sure, sure. When do you want it? What do you want? I'll make another one. And it's that kind of, um, collaboration that artists just don't usually get, you know, unless they have a representative who is just with them all the time, you know, like trying to make deadlines or trying to, you know, it's that collaboration that, you know, they'll, they'll send me sketches and say, you know, I'm thinking of doing something like this. It's become a very collaborative process. I thought I was just going to, you know, beg for their work and say, could I please just, you know, scan it and I'll give it back to you. But it hasn't, it hasn't been like that. It's been, you know, how can we work together? What do you want? What more do you want? Um, and it's been super cool. It's, it's, 
it's made me feel like I have very deep connections with these people. Um, I find them so incredibly generous and I just really appreciate that. So yeah, I'm very involved in the process of, of selecting the artists we're going to work with. I actually, for the first couple of years, I was the first person to see every single submission that came in um, until I realized that I, I actually needed help really discerning what good work was. I don't have an MFA in, in art. And, you know, it was silly for me just to kind of scroll through and go, oh, that's cute. Oh, I like that. Or, or that's interesting. I needed backup. So, you know, I, I have a creative director who went through the Sotheby's program and um, a couple of art advisors who have helped us with our collections, but I'll, I'll kind of pass everything through those guys too and make sure that we're on the right track. Cause my whole point of starting this company was I don't want to offer shit work. You know, there's plenty of it around, you know, you can go anywhere and get a piece of shit for your wall. And honestly, that is the most quotable thing ever. It is true. It's true. <laughs> you know what's even worse, Josh? They're not even made by artists. They're made by graphic designers. You know, that's what kills me. It's like, there are people that, are, that, that literally live and breathe art. They have to make art. And yeah. So, so wait a minute. Let me, let me ask you something though, because I want to challenge you on one thing. Okay. You've got a great eye. You know what you like. You started this company. Why, why can't you have, maybe it's Porsche's picks. You know, you know it's kind of novel, but why can't you have something that just you like, why does someone have to have an MFA to, to, to bless it, to stamp it? Why can't, why can't it just be something that you like? Oh, Josh, what a question. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, listen, yes. And in fact, I have like on, on the website, I actually do have, um, you know, a, a collection that I put together and we were, we're actually doing this thing called curated where we, where we're going to invite interior designers, art, art folks, um, in to, to kind of pick through collections and, and, and give art, uh, a, a framework, if you will, a context, because here's the thing, if a piece of art is on the wall on the left, Right now I'm looking at one, two, four pieces of art, right? They all have to relate to each other as well as just speak to you, right? They have to talk to each other. So that's the, the, the idea of curated is that we select pieces um, that all work together. So it's like, here's 10 pieces of all different sizes and all different price points, uh, including a poster, you know, including a Matisse poster, because I believe that, you know, the, the coffee table book, you know, of an artist that you adore, you know, John Karn or whoever, like that really kind of elevates your room also. So just bringing art into your space um, is, is a process that we are trying to help with by using, you know, art critics, art folks and, and interior designers to kind of show people how to actually you know, put a room together, you see down the hallway and, you know, you see into a powder room, like you have to be cognizant of that. Unlike a piece of furniture, it doesn't necessarily have to relate to the hallway, but a piece of art does on the wall. So why is it that my, you know, here's the thing. I do sometimes believe in artists so much that I will just, I don't care what you say. I'm going to put them in the collection because I just love them. And I, I just love them for whatever reason, even if they remind me of another artist perhaps, or they just speak to me in some way. Um, I do do that, but I also like to make sure it's just not, you know, me and my bloody ego, you know, like, Oh, I'm just, I just like all of this. So the rest of y'all should too. It's not, it, it doesn't work like that. Plus, you know, I really do want to support artists who are true artists, not just like weekend painters that make some pretty things, you know, there's enough totally. of those around. 
And so I, I, I do want to learn more and I have a lot to learn about art. Um, so yeah, I do really rely on other folks to go, yeah, but the composition isn't great or yeah, but you see how these colors are a little muddy on the canvas and I'll look at it and I'll go, yeah, well, let's bring the artist in and, and speak to the artist and see like whether this was something that was deliberate and what this actually means to them or if it was just messy and lazy, you know? And, and I can imagine too, I mean, look, you could do this for decades and still only scratch the surface of potential artists. I'm curious though, what's next? Is there something, do you, do you open this idea eventually? Does general public become something broader that you open it up to furniture makers, product designers? Is there, you know, is there, is there a broader view or are you really, is that, and it's not a negative. I mean, it's, it's great. Is the, is the focus exclusively on art photography and, and, and fine art? I think that it is because if I, if I even thought about opening that door, my wife would just swallow my entire company up whole. <laughs> she would. I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, I was, I was thinking about, um, you know, our conversation and how important design is to us and how important furniture is to us, especially Ellen. And I was just thinking of this ridiculous image that I have of, you know, we vacation with, you know, Tommy Clements and Waldo Fernandez and Cameron Smith, who owns Gallery Half and his husband, PJ. And I have a video of like this beautiful, we're at the Brando, right? In French Polynesia. And we're all sitting in water. And I was just videoing them wanting to get the ambience and how beautiful this magical thing. All you can hear in the video is, so if you, if you took that chair away from the corner of the room and you replaced it with the warrior, but, but oh no, no, no. I mean, the entire conversation, and it was a long video, was all about design. And I just thought, Jesus, we can't leave it in LA. We can't just get it away and no. No, um, no, so, you, you no, can't. You can't, you have to take it everywhere you go. But um, no, you know, I, I believe that there are enough really, really good furniture makers, enough really talented. I think there's enough, there, there are channels for, for furniture manufacturing. There, there, there seem to be more opportunities for, for young artists to, to make a mark um, with furniture and not as, as many opportunities for you know, art. I, I will tell you I'm something. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I think I just have maybe a, a slightly different perspective. Uh, you know, based in Los Angeles, but I'm working out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. I'm I'm working on a design house project here in Tulsa, and something really interesting. It's a it's a remote project, not virtual. So it's a real house. It's a it's a 1936 colonial revival, and it's in Tulsa. So there are no there are no showrooms here. You know, the right. closest showrooms are, you know, at Chicago, 13 hours away, you've got Dallas four and a half hours away. There are no showrooms here. So the designers I'm working with, they're working virtually. So I've got them all over the country and they'll specify something. And I'll give you an example. You know, we had a piece that we specified from a major company and it was a $2,000 piece. And we got a quote to ship for $7,000. That is ridiculous. So yeah. I thought, you know, instead of trying to force that square peg through the round hole, let me see if I can find someone locally who does. I found this guy who does absolutely amazing work. And I called him up and he's in Tulsa. And I said, hey, listen, I, here's what I'm looking for. And I showed him an inspiration piece. He's like, oh, yeah, here's what I can do. And I've got this piece of beech wood I've had, you know, on the farm for the last 20 years. It's like, oh, OK, I like that guy. You know, yeah. I kind of think that there are people like that, not just all over the country, but all over the world. And I know we're getting completely off the subject of fine art, but I think that, you know, fine furniture is very much the same way. And I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, because Ellen has been so involved in design for so long, 
I mean, you can you can tell by, by the work. Um, years ago, one of my first episodes of the of the podcast, like eight years ago, I was talking to Cliff Fong, um, who was you know a judge, and you know we had a a deep conversation about this whole thing of reality TV. I'm curious though, what the influence is there because you both share a love and a passion for art. You're both creatives in your own right. You both are on vacation with world-renowned design talent. How, how much of an influence um, is, is Ellen? And I, I imagine it's got to be a remarkable resource to have someone, someone who understands to bounce your ideas off of. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I have to say Ellen has really given me an education in, in furniture design. Um, and, you know, through her friendship with Cliff Fong too, she also learned a lot from Cliff. Um, the thing that I love about Ellen is she, she won't hesitate to invest in furniture. I, she, she really looks for the real deal and she will, you know, we will go to Paris and we'll go to Patrick's again for that piece of Le Corbusier or, or Perriand or Prevé or whatever, we will, we'll go there and we will, you know, we'll get that piece because it means that much to her um, to have that piece of history. It's, it's a very similar approach to, to, to art and how, you know, I like to, to look at art and collect art. Um, and, you know, Ellen, we have slightly different tastes. Um, she's more post and beam and I'm more Hollywood Regency. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So marry those two and you've, okay. you've got us, but you know, um, Spanish revival though, kind of does in a weird way, marry those two. It's, it's, you know, there, yeah. there are projects that we can do together where I can bring in all the Royer that you can drink up with your eyes because I'm just obsessed and have been forever. Um, and, you know, and Ellen can, can have really simple, like, you know, we have beautiful purvey pieces that were built for the schoolhouses in Africa, you know, that are so kind of rudimentary and fun functional and, and, um, and raw. So, and then we also love history. You know, I, we love, we love things that like that guy that you found in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We, we love, we love the story. We love history behind a piece. We, we love to know that, you know, that it's a part of kind of American folk art or, you know, that this piece of furniture, um, is was important or it had some kind of function in sent in a, in a previous century. And so we're kind of history buffs. Um, and, you know, we're not afraid to, to really buy the good stuff. So, um, so it's good. We, uh, the only thing is, you know, I, I kind of come in and ruin everything with my floral arrangements at the end. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, she's got her sparse, beautiful, you know, perfectly appointed space. And I just bring in a whole bunch of peonies, you know, to cheer the place up. And, you know, so that's the no, only time. Well, no, listen, I, and I love that. I think, I think that's perfect. That's, that is, <laughs> sounds like the perfect blend. It sounds like the perfect match. I, I just, you know, I was just curious, you know, that how that, how that helps you because I mean, look, running, starting a, a business today like this is tough because you've got those who are well-established in the, in the industry. You're looking for new talent, which is always hard to find with so many people out there trying to source new talent. And then you've, you've put together all of these puzzle pieces where you, you have, you have your partnership with RH, you've got your partnerships with your designers, you've got an e-com platform here, you've created something that I think is perfectly conducive for the, for the manner in which 
designers are working with their clients today. I'm not even talking about end user and the client. I'm talking about the way that the designers are working with their clients. So it's got to be just incredible to have a partner, not just a life partner, not just a wife, but also someone who who can say, who can give you your their opinion. You may say, no, that's that's too post and beam. Yeah. That's too craftsman. I'm more Hollywood Regency, but yeah. you can still get a this incredible perspective. Definitely. And, you know, I really do lean on her uh, when, you know, when we're doing a big project or, you know, when I do want advice because, you know, she, she has a terrific eye and, you know, aesthetic is so important to her. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it is really great. And I, I have to say as much as I grew up loving art and wanting to someday collect art, um, it really is a collaboration. The two of us, you know, everything that we do, we kind of run by each other and, you know, we can, we can both go off the deep end a little bit. Like she'll, she'll drag home some piece of wood that she calls a table. And I'm like, but you can't sit on it. Who cares? You know, it's beautiful. And it's like, well, actually every time I sit down, it, you know, puts threads through my sweater and, um, you know, and I can't actually balance a plate on it, you know? So we both go off the deep end. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, going to guess that that's not a hypothetical. That may, oh. may be. Well, no, no, no. That happens very often, very often. And, you know, the other thing too, is like every, every week there is a furniture delivery. It's not just like, once in a blue moon. It's not just when we are moving, doing an install. No, it's, you know, she'll go to, to see Cameron at gallery half and she'll poke around there for a while. And next thing you know, here comes two, her, two huge trucks full of furniture. And it was perfect in my mind, you know, why would you change it? Oh, but this piece is so beautiful. So yes, it is a constant thing where it's funny. We actually had dinner with Rose Tarlow at her house, such a beautiful house. And we just love her. She would admire her so much. And, you know, Ellen said, why, you know, how, how can you just not change it all the time? How, how can you just live with it? And she just looked at Ellen. She said, because it's perfect. And it's like, yes, I understand there are designers that put a room together. It's perfect. And that's it. But that's not us. It's kind of like, yeah, it's perfect. But how would this look? You know, maybe this would look cool too. See, I love that. I'm I'm more I'm more uh, akin to to your way of thinking. I love that, Portia. This was so great. I really appreciate the time. And by the way, uh, if anyone wants to find the links to both General Public and to RH, so you can find the work, uh, it'll be in the show notes for the podcast. So uh, you can just scroll down and find that. And again, Portia, thank you for the time. This was fantastic. Loved Gosh, it. it was- Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, Portia. I loved our chat and our time together. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for presenting Convo by Design. Thank you, Thermosol, for your partnership. You are both incredible partners. I'm lucky to be working with you both. You're also amazing allies for the trade. So thank you for that, too. And thank you for listening. Remember why you do what you do and that the business of design is about making better the lives of those we serve right? Until next week, be well and take today first. Mm